All right, guys, we are back. So I'm going to go over five, six, and seven, and then I'm going to hand it off to Maria to do steps eight and nine. So if we turn to page 72, this is the chapter into action, which actually covers steps five through 11. You know, we spent a lot of time on step one coming to that conclusion we're powerless. We had a whole chapter on step two coming to the conclusion we need a power. The last um, chapter had actually step three and four, and now we're going to go through five through 11. So once again, I had to look at my prejudices, my old ideas. Once again, looking at the, the steps on the wall, if there's 12 steps, then I should probably spend equal amount of time on each of them, and they have equal importance. But when you look through the directions in the big book, that, that's not the way it's, it's there. The, the way that the big book has it, we actually do five, six, seven, eight, all in one day. So we're going to talk about how this, this now that we understand that, that, we, that we're down to causes and conditions, there's an urgency to get this spiritual awakening. So on, on the first page, on page 72, it says, having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude, step two, a new relationship with our creator, step three, and to discover the obstacles in our path, step four. We have admitted certain defects, and we have ascertained in a rough way what our trouble is. We have put our fingers on the weak items in our personal inventory, and now these are about to be cast out. In a rough way, I remember someone explaining this to me because I am so not a handy person. But apparently when you are doing plumbing, there's something called rough plumbing, which is, just means you have access to water. If you want to have finished plumbing, that's when they put in the sink and the beautiful tub and all that kind of stuff. So all that step four is just a rough idea. It's just getting us starting to get us access. If we want to finish this arch that we're trying to build, we're going to have to make sure we go through the rest of the steps. So this requires action on our part. We drop down to that next paragraph. Let's see, one, two, three... The fourth sentence down of that second paragraph. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. And I tried to do that. I figured, well, if I wrote down my inventory and it says in step five, you know, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs, two out of three ain't bad, right? I'll just admit it to me and God. I don't need another human being in there. But they're warning us here a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient. And I heard a great analogy for that. Let's say we're, you know, I'm trying to sell my house, and I have um, an older home, and I have two dogs, and my floors are an absolute mess. But I don't care. I have dogs. You know, what do I ask for? Do I decide how much my house is going to be worth? No. I have a third-party appraiser come in that tells me, okay, Kim, you live in Mount Holly. You've got a three-bedroom, two-bath house from 1929. You're in this school district. Your, your floors are an absolute mess. You have this much property. Your health is worth X, worth X. That's a valuable thing. That person can be objective about my house where I'm just emotionally attached to my, my house. That's not my house. It's my home. How can I be objective about it? So that's the importance of having someone come in there. To me, once again, to jump ahead, this is the importance of step 10, of helping having someone else come in. The reason I can be so helpful to Pam in a step 10 is because I'm not living Pam's life. I can be objective about your life. I can't be objective about my life, which is why I need Pam to help me with my step tens. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's why there's a line at the end. Um, I think it's in um, it's a Family Afterwards or, or it's on page 143, whatever chapter that's in. But it says, we have recovered and we've been given the power to help others. It doesn't say we've been given the power to help ourselves. And this is why we need other people involved. Okay. Um, 
Now here comes another warning. Four about four lines after that. It says, we will be more actually I'll read it. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. I know so many people that have been in step four for like four years. And they keep relapsing over and over and over. If we skip this vital step, not the four, but the five, we may not stop drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. What's the house cleaning now? Four through nine, not just four. They took inventory all right, but they hung onto some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves, but they had not learned enough of the humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone their, all their story. So this to me also is a warning because I, I, I thought it was true. I, I hear people talk about it's true. I haven't seen the evidence of it. But people will pick up and say, oh, I'm just going to get back on track tomorrow and I'm going to keep working my steps. The book is clear. If we pick up, we're back in step one. We've got to go back to the beginning. It doesn't mean we have to go back and maybe read line per line again. But we have to get back in touch with our powerlessness. And if I see people that are picking up and they keep moving, they maybe even are at step 10 and they pick up and they try to do a step, step 10 the next day. And it says, prepping persevered with the rest of the program. They wondered why they fell. I need to have food sobriety the entire time I'm working through these steps so that I can have the mental acumen to apply the steps. The simplest way I heard it explained is 1 through 9 gets me unblocked and 10, 11, and 12 keeps me unblocked. So if I pick up, even after I'm through the steps, I need to get unblocked in order to do a step 10 again. Once again, it doesn't mean that I have to go back to the, the intensity, but I have to have a new experience with this work because I have to get in touch with my powerlessness. I have to get in touch with my need for a power, and I have to get in touch with, for me, step three is learning what life is like when I'm in control. And I have to be convinced again that I cannot be in control so I can make the decision to go through with the steps again. Okay? Now, these next two paragraphs are really, really... They hit my heart, and this explains to me why, I, would, why I, had, I had to eat. I had no other choice but to eat. It says, more than most people, the alcoholics live a double life. He is very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents the stage character. Remember step three, talking about the ballet and the, and the stage characters? This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. God, that specifically that reminds me of college. You know, I knew I was a piece of shit, but if I could make you believe I wasn't, I would be okay. You know, in college, my, my, my thing was junior year, I lived with the girl, and she joked, she called me the chameleon. Because depending on who walked through the door, I would become a totally different person. Because as a young child, what I learned was if I can become whoever you want me to be, you will not leave me. So I learned how to become what you needed me to be and deny what, any feeling that I had. And that's a miserable way to live. First of all, it's very difficult to try to remember. Like, you know, it's like faces of Eve. This is like faces of like 12 different personalities that I'm having to remember. But the essence is I'm not good enough. Therefore, I have to wear these, these stage character names. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he is revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. 
These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension, and this makes for more drinking. That's why I'm eating, because I'm, I'm, I'm so blocked up, and I'm so selfed up, and I'm afraid people are going to figure out what I'm doing, and the sprees of the food. Now, I have not. I'm, I'm almost seven years abstinent, so I haven't had any sprees with food. So how do I make this relevant in my life today as a recovered person? What am I spraying on? Am I spraying on anger? Am I spraying on resentment? Am I spraying on fear? And if I keep spraying on those things and not applying the step work, I'm going to live in constant fear and tension. And that's going to lead eventually to more fear, more resentment, and eventually to more drinking or more eating. So this is why I learned to be Kim through this process. I learned who my higher power wants me to be as a daughter, as a coworker, as a member of OA. And if I start acting inconsistently with that, that's when I start to get restless, irritable, discontent. If I'm not cleaning that up, once again, I'm, I'm a human being. I'm going to make mistakes. I remember, once again, driving back from Virginia. I'm really, I have a really poor sense of direction. And we got back to the airport, and I could not find the Enterprise place to return my car. And I just remember thinking in my head, I've been a really good girl up to this point, and I just started cursing. I told my parents to shut the fuck up. I'm like, everyone needs to be quiet. I can't find this. You got it, you know, leader. You know, I mean, because the big joke going when I was driving to the network was like, you know, when they started acting up was, all right, I'm going to have to pull over if you two don't behave yourself like my, my dad to me when I was a kid. But I just said, I mean, I just made a conscious decision that I was, I needed to let go of that steam and that I immediately did a four through nine in my head. And when we, after we found the Enterprise and I, you know, parked the car, I had to make an amends to my brother, make an amends to my mother, make an amends to my father. And the big joke is I've always identified myself as Irish Catholic. And I did a DNA test and apparently I'm 6% Irish. And that's been my excuse my whole life is my Irish is coming out. And I'm like, I don't even have that excuse anymore when I get mad. <laughs> so I'm like, darn it. But, that's a, but that, once again, if I don't clean it up, I'm, that inconsistency is going to take me down. So I love these paragraphs as a recovered woman as much as I did. This is the warning if you don't continue with the work. But as a recovered woman, this is the warning of I'm going to go back into my disease if I don't continue to work these steps. So now I'm going to skip over some stuff because a lot of the next couple pages is really about how you find someone to do your fifth step with. Which, once again, back when this was printed, they were assuming someone was going to be doing this work by themselves and they wouldn't have access to recovered people. Thank you, God, we have access to recovered people. And they are saying to pick someone who's not affected. So if you are going to be doing it with a friend and you're going to be talking about something that your friend is going to know about or you know, maybe a common friend you had an affair with the common friend's husband, that's not a person you want to give a fifth step to. So there is that warning, but thank God we have access to recovered people today. So I'm not going to go over how you pick somebody. Um, top of page 75, we decided who is to hear our story, and we waste no time. We should not be sitting on these fourth steps. We need to, we need to, we need to get unblocked. Why did we eat? Because of our resentments, our fears, and our relationships. And if we sit there in that inventory, we're not going to be able to sit there long. So we want to get through this and we want to get through it quickly. It says, he should realize that we are on a life and death errand. I have to ask myself, do I know I'm on a life and death errand? Do I get that when I'm doing my fourth step? And do I get that when I'm taking other people through the steps that it's a life and death errand for them as well? 
And then the next paragraph is the fifth step promises. Now, the promises are to me are really important because the big book is basically broken down, in my opinion. It's, it's a series of prayers, actions, and promises. That's the simplest way of putting it. So these promises should be happening after we say these prayers and take these actions. So I always ask my sponsees after we finish certain steps and there's promises to take them into meditation the next week. Are these promises coming true? If they're not, maybe there's some more work that needs to be done. It's not a judgment again, but we want to make sure that we're feeling these promises before we move on. Okay? So I'm just going to give you kind of how they manifested for me. We pocket our pride and go to, and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of our past. Once we have taken the step withholding nothing, we are delighted. I did feel lighter. I told someone my truth, and they didn't run away. That was a big thing, you know. Um, we could look the world in the eye. This, to me, actually was the biggest promise. Because once again, I was that chameleon. And what I realized was when I was trying to remember who I was supposed to be in front of you and what lies I told you and how I was going to impress you and what I was going to say to make you like me, how could I look you in the eye? There was so much chatter going on in my head. When I went through this process and I realized that being Kim was enough, then I could pay attention to you. Then I could listen to what you were saying. And this is also, once again, this is also a little red flag for me. If I start not looking people in the eye, which I had happened to me at work with all this stuff going on, it's because I'm, I'm not, I need, there's some inventory work I have to do because I'm starting to get jammed up and trying to figure out what I need to say in order to have my boss like me so I don't get laid off and da-da-da. So it, there's all these, you know, this is also a way for me when these promises start to fade I need to look at some inventory. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Still hard for me. I'm someone who throws on the TV right away when I come home. I, I don't do well in total silence. Our fears fall from us. I have to say, when, I was, when Maria was talking, some of my fears, they fell away from me because as soon as I realized the fear on this part of the inventory was totally disconnected to what I thought was going to happen, they went away. Like One of my fears was not getting married. Uh, I mean, not getting married. And why would I have the fear? Because I was going to die alone. Uh, what does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? I could get married and get divorced. The guy could die before me. I have brothers. I have nephew and niece. I'm not dying alone. That fear of never getting married went away the second I realized that what, that, what I thought the fear was and what it really was were totally disconnected from each other. Um, we begin to feel the nearness of our creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. For me personally, again, too, I'm a Catholic school kid, and I thought that you only could access God on Sunday mornings in Morristown, New Jersey at 11.15 a.m. at the Our Lady Good Council Church. And you had to go through a priest or a nun in order to get there. This is where I started to realize that I could have access to a power anytime I wanted to. Because I was taught that I can have that on page 55. It's deep down inside of me. And now that I'm starting to remove the blocks, I'm realizing I can have access to that power at any time. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. Now, for me, that didn't come till step nine. I really didn't feel that at step five. It was once I started doing some amends, I started to feel that. We feel we're on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. The way this manifested for me, the broad highway is capitalized, so it's kind of like a higher power, is I started to feel a part of my family. I started to feel a part of OA. I started to feel a part of my friend as opposed to this person that was separate that had to earn. I always joke, not joke, but I think of it, I'm always auditioning. I'm auditioning for the part of girlfriend. I'm auditioning for the part of coworker. I'm auditioning for the part of favorite kid. I was able to just be and feel a part of for the first time in my life. 
And then what happens, we, we sit down for this long talk. And then at the, after we have this fist up, I go over the promises with the, girl, the people I work with. Um, and then this next paragraph tells us what we do next. It says, returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart we know him better. I use that as a fifth step prayer. We thank God from the bottom of our heart we know him better. Why is that? Because the problem is I'm blocked, and I'm now taking action to remove those blocks. This is also a prayer I use in step 10, because every time I do a step 10, I'm removing blocks. So I thank my higher power again. Taking this book down from the shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, which is the first five steps. We ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimmed the cement, put in the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? So I ask the person I'm working with to go home and get quiet. Now, I'm not a stickler for an hour. What I tell people is review these proposals, and when your mind starts to wander, call me, whether it's 20 minutes, 40 minutes, but don't take more than an hour. Okay, so we're just, we're there, we're just trying to review, we're trying to see these properly in praise. Once again, skipping ahead, these are great 11-step questions. You know, is my work solid? Are the stones properly, I don't understand this whole construction thing, but the way that I think about it is, am I too heavy into fellowship, and maybe not enough in the step work? <coughs> am I too heavy into inventory, and not working with people? You know, I've heard, I heard a, um, a speaker said, it so hit me with my own experience, when I'm not grounded in 10 and 11, I use step 12 as a drug because I'm trying to live off other people. So I have to ask, is, is there that, am I feeling connected in all those ways? That's, to me, that's a great step 11 practice to be doing this as well. Um, so after that, a sponsee will call me, and we go over 6 and 7, which is on page 76, the first two paragraphs. So it says, if we can answer our satisfaction, then we look at step 6. We have emphasized willingness to be indispensable. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things which we have admitted are objectionable? Can he now take them all, every one? If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. I love that word objectionable. Because, see, if you had asked me prior to doing this, this work, Kim, tell me some of your better qualities. I would have said, well, I'm independent, I'm self-sufficient, I can pull myself up on my bootstraps. And I find through this process, those are my biggest problems, is my self-sufficiency. So I don't know what's objectionable in step six, unless I've done steps one through five. And, there, and there's a six-step prayer. If we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask him to be willing. So I'm going to, you know, there's those defects. Now, this is for me. Actually, let me read step seven, then I'm going to tell you my interpretation. When ready, we say something like this, my creator. I love that terminology, because I know a lot of people have a problem with the word God, because I know I, for me it is, is a very specific thing being a Catholic. The simplest way I like this is, I had to admit that I create chaos. If I create chaos, I need another creator. So that's why I love the word my creator. I need something that, besides what I've been creating my whole life. I am now willing you should have all of me, good and bad. I used to think, okay, well, I have to figure out what's bad about me, and then I'm going to turn them over to God. I have no idea. I find out in this inventory, my liabilities are my assets, my assets are my liabilities. I am no longer in the God business. So I am turning everything over to my higher power. You figure it out, and you tell me what to do. That's so freeing mm -hmm. than me trying to figure out how I need to change. 
I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. I used to think six and seven was I had to give up my entire personality. And that scared me. All my coping mechanisms. Here it's saying, I'm asking God to remove what's blocking me from my fellows and from, from him. So it's, it doesn't mean everything's going to go away. In fact, the simplest seven-step prayer for me is use me. Use me. Because, you know, some of my defects can be helpful. You know, I always use, um, I don't know if you guys know a lot of AA speakers, but I, two of my favorite are Chris R. from Texas and then Peter M. from Florida. Totally different personalities. I wish I was more Peter M., but I'm much more Chris R. He's a harsh guy. I want to be that soft, sweet guy. But you know what? Some people need to hear it a little bit harder. And I often hear people say, you know, well, if you, if you don't want to hear the truth, don't call Kim. And sometimes I, that stings, but I think maybe those people that need to hear it the way that I do it are going to call me. And we've already got a Kim G, so now we need each of you out there. And God's going to use our defects, use our personalities. And, I, and it's whatever's blocking me. So it's not a matter of, I always say that, that recovery is a, is, a light, is a dimmer switch, not a light switch. You know, I want that, I want that taken away right away. I just have to keep asking God to in, into these uh, defects. And if I look at it over a long period of time, I can see the change. But if I look at it just what happened yesterday, I don't see a lot of change. Um, grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Well, why do I need strength? Because I don't know how to act now. I've been so dependent on these defects that I don't know how to act. So now this is the part that I, you know, I hear different big book teachers say it differently, so I'm just going to tell you my own interpretation. I like to keep it simple because I like to, well, I like to complicate everything, which is why I need to keep it simple. Let me put it that way. We're taught five defects in step four. I'm selfish, I'm dishonest, I'm self-seeking, I'm frightened, and I'm inconsiderate. Those, to me, are all the defects I worry about. I know a lot of people will have like the name of 70 defects and they have a list of all the opposites and they try to practice the opposites. That's like playing whack-a-mole to me. Not to mention it to me, to me, it's like playing God. Like I am not a freaking idiot. If I'm dishonest, I know I'm supposed to be honest. The problem is I don't know how to do that on my own, which is why I just turn over my dishonesty and I let God deal with that. I don't figure it out. I'm not, I'm not going to use my own self-will to correct my defects. So one of the reasons I think that step six and seven is so short, which makes sense to me, is because I don't do anything. I'm not working on my defects. I'm acknowledging my defects and asking God to remove them. There's no thing, such thing as working on my defects. That, to me, is, once again, is playing God. I see a lot of people doing that. And if it works for you, and if you're currently doing it, it works for you, please continue to do that. But just for those people that it doesn't work for, I just wanted to say that that really helps simplify it for me. So, for example, I have a psychology degree, so I get, I get really tweaked by psychology terms because of my own prejudices. But I'm, you know, I'm very, I could be very, quote-unquote, passive-aggressive. And if I try to work on that, it gets confusing. But if I recognize my passive-aggressiveness is just my dishonesty of not wanting to tell the truth, it's my selfishness of wanting things my way, it's my self-seeking of wanting people to behave the way I want it to be, and I'm afraid. So it's just a fancy word for my defects anyways. So why I don't get caught up in all these abandonment terms and all this kind of stuff is like if I just focus on the defects that I discovered in step four and ask God to remove them, the rest of it kind of seems to get sorted out. Now ironically, when we go over step 10, most of my step 10 work is six and seven. 
Because what am I told to do in, in step 10? I'm to watch for my selfishness, my dishonesty, my resentment, my fear. I'm asked to watch out for those defects because that's what's blocking me. Now, it's not saying work on. It says watch out for those defects, and my job, once again, is to turn them over. So the kind of the way I think about it is 6 and 7 is now my step 1 for the rest of my life because this is now what I'm powerless over. And if I keep my eye out for those things I'm powerless over, my 6 and 7 defects, and turn them over, I'm going to continue to grow in 10 and 11. Does that make sense? Okay, and I am done.